Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts, Dum Dums and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse, Code, and Crown, as well as three event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town, The Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merch Merchandise today. Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers, Laura Elizabeth as Princess Gwendolyn, Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap, and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano, alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse, Code, and Crown!
Zap, zap, zippity, zap, zap, zoop. Uh, all right, that is 12 points of lightning. Yikes. And you are still electrified slash on lightning. Okay. Uh, and now you begin to run. All right. Towards them. And, uh, you know, just like doing that cool thing, like catching my sword in midair as I'm running. And yep, like gotcha. Doing a cool, like, this is just like kind of a blunt, like I'm screaming, like, ah! Sure. I've been there. Um, good that I have advantage, but I rolled two <laughs> nat ones. Oh, no, Laura. Hey, Duncan Kindano. <laughs> what the fuck? Go ahead and, uh, and roll me a deck save, please. You're dexterous, so I feel like that's a nat one. This is insane. Go ahead and roll your damage. I'm honest. Like I what? (laughs) Go ahead and roll your damage. Oh, I'm. Oh my god. Fuck me. Fucking hell. Shit. Nine. Oh no, because I increased uh, strength strength by one, so ten. All right, so Duncan, that's uh, it's ten points of damage, uh, and because you're struck from behind while attempting to duel, uh, and you roll a one, your sword is knocked out of your hand. Oh, Tom, for flavor purposes, because I think this is fun, anyways. <laughs> could we keep the rapier in him, but it's crackling with lightning, so I can't take it yet? Yes, because that's metal as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, he's still got his hands on it, and it's just like a fun thing he's got now. Yeah, it's, uh, he's he's crackling with that. Great, love it. Uh, cool. That brings us to the bone spurs. Uh, the two of uh, Tom, one of... do I get to go? No. Uh, yes, you can go. Me want go. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, and Duncan, who has now been like stabbed in the back and shocked in the front and doesn't get his rapier, is like, everyone is cheating! Uh, and he's gonna like duck his head and swirl his cape around. And it looks like the cape is there for him to do something else, but he's got a dagger in one hand that's actually under the cape that's gonna slash at the eyes of the wizard. Uh, and when that nice. one comes around, the other hand is coming up to try to stab him below the jaw up through the mouth. Cool. Go ahead and roll your roll them bones. And, and this, is such, this is such a train wreck that I'm also going to use uh, my swashing point to make these assaults. Come on. So you get advantage, right? You yes. Know? Yes. Um, OK, so the first one is a 25 to hit. And the second one is a 22 to hit. Uh, you feel the shield go up, but with the, the sort of flash and flare, you manage to get your daggers past it. So angry. Uh, cool. Uh, the first dagger will do seven damage, and the second one will do uh, four damage. Okay. Um, for the purposes of flavor, he loses his concentration. Uh, even though Bolt isn't technically a concentration spell, uh, the lightning stops crackling on the sword as you, you slash across him. Beautiful. Uh, cool. Uh, now! <laughs> I was going to say, instead of movement, can I take my rapier back out of him? Uh, yeah, I'll give that to you as a bonus. Dope. Yeah, then I'll do that because then I won't move. Right. Uh, brings us to uh, the Bone Spurs. So... Um, he, you see the uh, conductor, um, just kind of raise both of his hands and then just kind of do uh, theoretically a double Keanu Reeves come at me, bro. <laughs> um, but you can see it's actually to the bone spurs, not to to the lot of you. 
Um, and uh, you hear a, a rumbling roll, um, and as you kind of uh, look over your shoulder, you see um, two rolling balls of fury uh, coming straight at Gwendolyn. Um, yeah, why not? Oh, all right. So um, one got an out one, and one got a 20. Or got a 17 plus stuff. So one will hit, one does not. The one that but the nat one runs into the conductor, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> if the conductor was between the two of you and then yes. You are both currently between the conductor and the uh, the bone spurs. Uh, I'll say instead the bone spur gets a one, uh, wasn't fully formed. So he starts rolling and then kind of falls apart and then starts like put, trying to put himself back together. Uh, it's real embarrassing for all involved. It's kind of like getting caught right. with pants down. So just, he only just makes trying it... to keep you honest, Tom. Uh, <laughs> sure, if you stand somewhere better, I'll hit him. Um, but uh, yeah, so the one one bone spurs trying to put himself back together. Uh, the other one, Laura, will hit you for... One second. My dice at. There we go. Uh, Alright, so uh, that is um, 11 points of damage. And I need that to takes me exactly to zero. Uh, so it hits you, uh, the armor explodes and clatters uh, down into a pile. You're not dead, but I think your version of unconscious is like the energy of your soul holding your armor together isn't doing it right now. Uh, so the armor kind of clatters. and It's like a bowling strike. Um, so the the armor clatters to the ground. Uh, Duncan, you cool. can tell that the, her, her presence is still there. Like, it's still kind of glowing, um, but uh, she she's unconscious. Um, so the, the bone spur hits you and then kind of, like, unfolds uh, and then is, is in combat with Duncan. Uh, which brings us to the top of the round. Uh, the conductor is getting kind of fucked up and he's running out of spell slots. So he is going to... Uh, he's just going to try and straight up attack you, I think, Duncan. Um, he's got uh, advantage because there's Bone Spur behind. What's your AC? AC is 16. 16. Uh, all right, he will manage to hit. And what's he going to do? Oh, man. Snake eyes. Uh, he will deal a whole whopping six points of damage. Um, and I need you to please roll me a strength save. Uh, Tom, before that happens, I would love to use my reaction of parry uh, and try to slap the weapon aside. So it costs me a swashing point, and mm -hmm. I roll, and I block six points of damage going to zero. So I bat aside uh, so the, the attack. So the tentacles come for your face, um, and uh, with as you pull the rapier out, you just get the grip up and kind of punch, punch them aside. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you kind of hear him, it's the first time you hear a physical voice come from him, but it's a, like, a Zoidberg, you're like, Bruh! um, and, uh, in, uh, in your head you hear, oh, I am tremendously sorry about that, you weren't supposed to hear that, that is not what I sound like, I sound like this. Um, and then you see the tentacles kind of, like, one of them is, like, comforting the other one, um, but, uh, he looks back at you with, like, increasingly, like, angry eyes, um, <laughs> that really sucks for him because he was going to try and eat your damn brains uh, Maka uh, you see Gwendolyn explode uh, yeah. there's a bone spur that's kind of between you and them but otherwise it's a, it's a mass combat okay uh, flaming sphere um, is a spell Yep. that I will be casting yes. right now uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to choose who it hits 
Uh, yeah, I can I can direct the flaming sphere. Uh, around oh right, right, right. Yeah, it's, it's a ball that rolls ball around. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna basically uh, have it uh, summon in front of me and start rolling forward, and I'm gonna be running behind it uh, yep. <laughs> to like close the distance safely, sort of. Yep. Uh, and I want to have it basically roll into this uh, this bone spur. Okay, uh, so, so the the one that's half formed or the one that is. Um, well, that's Flanking. fully formed and up on, yeah, up on gotcha. Declan. Yeah, yeah, Declan. Oh, jeez. I like that you're you're basically just like a like a one of those dung beetles from uh, like <laughs> Egypt, where you're just like rolling the ball ahead of you, being like, "I'm yeah. gonna kill you." <laughs> uh, this fellow's got to make a deck save. Look, I'm gonna be honest with you. The giant stone men, not great at decks. Okay. Yeah, uh, I rolled a ten, which comes in at a nine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's not going to cut it. <laughs> you don't say. So that is uh, 11 fire damage. 11 fire damage. Um, <clears throat> so the fireball uh, hits this thing and like blasts its its shoulder and half its chest off. Mm -hmm. uh, it's still up, but barely. Okay. Uh, the uh, Let me just double check here. I believe it stops there when it hits him. Uh, yes, it does damage, and then the sphere stops. So the sphere has made its way up to him, and I think I'm still a little ways away, but I've basically made my full movement to, to sure. get closer. There's a delightful irony in him becoming a ball and hitting something and then being hit by a giant <laughs> flaming ball. And it's, it's nice. It's, it's cyclical. Uh, some kind of cycle, if you will. Um, Duncan, you're locked in, in close combat with uh, the conductor. He's looking a bit rough. So knowing you've summoned a ball of fire, Maka, I'm imagining he's not glowing anymore, correct? Uh, he still is glowing, yeah. Ah, it's not concentration, right. it's just if you fail the thing, you're covered in that shit for, I don't have the spell in front of me, but for a fair amount of time. Yep. I love it. So, awesome. uh, if, if where you're seeing this from a distance, Duncan has actually been moving superhumanly fast for a while, and he is continuing to do so, because I'm going to use another swashing point to make this an assault. So imagine the fastest, most impressive moment of combat that like one perfect strike, only you've seen like eight of them in a row and he's still going. So what you see is it reaches out, he bats it aside with the rapier, and at this point he raises a foot and stomps down on the mage's left foot like he taught Gwendolyn, and he fans the blade at the tentacles to get it to lean back and then tries to ram it through the torso again with the rapier. For added flavor, I will say he was levitating. So you stomp his foot and you drag his whole body down. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, I, I should be fully transparent here. I did just check the spell and it is concentration. I'm sorry, I'm not, uh, like Tom, I am not used to spell casting stuff. Concentration still fucks me up. It's okay. So. The nice thing is, I knew the first roll I made, so we'll just use that one. <laughs> okay. uh, so that becomes a dirty 20 to hit. Uh, yep. He, he uh, you can tell he's desperate. He throws up a shield again, but it cuts right through it. Beautiful. Uh, he, he, I, he throws a shield up in front of the tentacles because you're fanning them. He assumes you're going for the head, uh, which leaves his tasty belly. Also, you hear in your head, ow, my tootsies. Beautiful. Uh, I do a wiener. Uh, thirteen <laughs> piercing damage. All right, my... he is uh, he is not looking good. He's still up, but he's 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 hurting. Yeah. For the record, I also do not look good. I am bleeding I, openly from a stab wound through the flank, uh, and I have been lightly fried. So, like, I'm on my way, baby. I'm coming. <laughs> uh, all right. That brings us to Gwendolyn. Uh, Go ahead and roll me a death save, please. Yeah. Um, for the first time um, since uh, you got stabbed, uh, you kind of like look down and see your hands and your body, 
and you realize that this is kind of your uh, platonic ideal of what you look like. It's like kind of Matrix-like. You look like what you think you look like in your head. Um, mm. And uh, you feel that same kind of sense of weightlessness that you began to feel when you first were stabbed um, as your, your body begins to um, slowly evaporate. Uh, go ahead and roll. Ten. Ten's good enough. You just need to you need to beat a ten. So you uh, you start to decorporealize, but you just know you have unfinished business, and you didn't die once to die. Now that's real stupid. Um, so sort of gritting your teeth and making your usual like essence point grunt, uh, you just kind of like keep yourself solid as best you can. Um, cool. Brings us to uh, the bone spurs. Uh, the one who is half formed does not succeed in forming. Uh, the one who is there is going to take a, uh, a big old meaty slam attack at, uh, at Duncan. Uh, Duncan, what's your AC right now? 16. All right. Just misses with a 13. Uh, so uh, he goes to slam. You sort of sidestep. Uh, you feel the ground shake beside you. Um, but uh, your your focus is is lasered in on, on uh, the conductor so it doesn't phase you. Um, brings us to the conductor, um, who's kind of out of stuff to do, so he is just going to straight up try and attack. Um, fuck, that's a four. So he, uh, which admittedly is still a seven, but, uh, not good enough. So his tentacles, um, strike at you, Duncan, but, um, between kind of like, you can tell he, this isn't a guy who ever walks around on the ground. So having one foot pinned and kind of being half floating is, is actually real distracting for him. So the tentacles sort of like flash at you. Um, uh, but, uh, and at this point he's just full on Zoidberg squealing the whole time he's doing it, but, um, you're still standing. Great. And uh, I would like to use a reaction that I have because mm -hmm. I haven't used a reaction this turn, which is called repost, which is when a creature misses you with a melee attack, use your reaction to make a melee attack against the creature. So, hey. uh, basically the idea would be, I dodge the hit from the back. He lunges at me and I duck. And then it's just rapier out of one side, spin around and back through the side. So out the front and in the side of the torso. Sure. Yep. Uh, cool. And I get to. Do I still have advantage because he's lit up or no? no not he's for no this. longer lit. Yeah. No. Okay. Then bad. that is a 15 to hit. Uh, because he's out of spell slots, he can't shield anymore uh and his ac is 15 so you barely squeak through a hit perfect i will take all those wins i can get because duncan desperately holds on to consciousness um cool so that does a total of seven piercing damage uh you drive the blade into his side uh and you see his eyes go wide um and uh he begins to kind of lower to the ground um, and slump forward towards you. And as he does so, his tentacles extend uh, and he just fucking grabs your face uh, and you see his eyes flash. Um, and he just says, see my brilliance. Um, and uh, Duncan, you're overcome with a bunch of those like shadow visions from movies where everything's a little blurry and we're kind of moving through it. Um, you can see, um, the uh, the conductor um, uh, coming uh, to a small island. Um, you can see him um, sort of beginning to uh, create 
the bone spurs. You can see him starting to grow them. There's a number of humans and, um, and other races. Like basically, there's a bunch of people um, that are all kind of like writhing in in pain as he's drawing off them. Uh, but you can see this: the mountains aren't really growing. They're they're sort of uh, there just isn't much effect. You can see ships coming. Um, and then he sets one of them free. And as he does so, um, the person just takes off at a sprint. Uh, and then he kind of summons a mountain range in front of them. Uh, and you see him kind of nod to himself. Um, real, And you can feel his, his feelings and his thoughts as he, he does all these things. Um, and you can see him come to realize that um, uh, draining the essence of people's souls won't be enough to power the weapon. Uh, what he needs is their hope. So he then proceeds to allow these people start to go. He, uh, you see him um, take someone in very fine, an elf in fine golden robes, uh, who seems to have a, a third eye tattooed on their forehead. Uh, he eats their brain, and suddenly he's able to create uh, tremendous illusions and build a world for these people that they they believe they're making progress in. And soon enough, uh, he's able to raise the mountains uh, themselves. And you see over time that um, he destroys the fleet. Um, and he begins to tend to the mountain. Um, and eventually, like, again, in sort of rapid action, you can see him move from needing the actual people to just taking dead people and re-rigging them, so on and so forth. Uh, but the sense you get is that he's been, uh, he's rigged all these skeletons up from the corpses of people who've died in the mountains or been killed in the mountains and has been using his uh, stolen illusionary powers to fuel a sense of hope in their their beings uh, to help fuel his, his mountains. There seem to be other parts of the plan that you can't quite see. Um, and you can see just as as his the light in his eyes begins to fade, he's standing there like looking at you in your mind, saying like, isn't it brilliant? Did I not do brilliant things? You're a fool. And I'm going to bury this mountain under the ocean. Just uh, like you, only dust shall remain. And it, his eyes go wide, um, and uh, he he kind of like fades uh, into into nothing. The vision stops. Uh, you stagger back, and uh, the body uh, of the conductor falls to the ground, uh, falling off your blade. As it does so, the bone spurs um, that he summoned also collapse and kind of melt back into the into the earth. Cool. I'm gonna stagger back, pulling my rapier out, and then like just take a sit. Nope. <laughs> There's no threat. I think it's just a very fried, very stabbed man sitting, and just point at Maka and say, "Princess, yeah, princess." Maka, uh, um, like, just uh, disperses the uh, flaming sphere, and he closes the rest of the distance, and he casts cure wounds uh, at level one on Gwendolyn. So that's going to be nine hit points back for you. Thanks. And then he'll come over and do level one cure wounds for uh, Duncan as well. And that is going to be uh, 13 um, hit points back for Duncan. Cool. So, um, Gwendolyn, um, you kind of come to feeling very scattered and have to, like, drag yourself back together a bit. Um, but, uh, you managed to get up, um... So just, like, Deadpool gathering yeah, his body yeah, parts? Nice. Pretty much. Um, the lungs, um, exhale again, and you can see a green pulse go down a different corridor. Um, it seems to... They, they seem to just be, be going at, at the rate they were. Um, and the... 
The skeletons all seem a bit confused. You can see all the bodies kind of looking around in... in like, all the, the skeletons are, are looking around in slight confusion. But then, almost universally, you see them kind of shrug and go back to their their work. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Maka helps Gwendolyn to her feet, helps Duncan stand back up as well. Um, Thank you. And says, uh, you spoke with this creature, yes? Hmm. It rammed itself into my mind. I think I understand more of the nature of the island. Uh, Tom, I'm going to try to paraphrase this, but feel free to correct me if I don't interpret things right from a Ryan perspective. Yep. Duncan will have his own assumptions afterwards, but from what I could see, this mage was the one who'd built the bone spurs. He tried to power it with souls, but it did not work. It needed to be powered, he discovered by hope, something more powerful than the draining life essence. So he started with people he had trapped running free, and then, because he ran out of people after he destroyed the fleet, he brought them back from the dead as kind of simulacrums of people. And he created them so that they would have their own hopes repetitively over and over. But it's the reason the bone spur stopped growing. It grew more slowly or something like that. So the people have been essentially recreations or necromantic summonings of the or- originals to be like a perpetual hope machine to keep them out in life. He had further plans... I stabbed him a lot, so that's sort of all I got before he came to nothing, and I told him he was a piece of shite. Mm. I don't know the final form of the bone spurs, but they're intended as a weapon. And I worry if another necromancer... Now we've reached full conjecture. (laughs) I've worried if another necromancer or another necrotist loyalist that comes here, that this weapon could be converted after it's been built. I think taking a quick look around, um, you're able to, uh, you do find kind of what seems to be a massive green organic sack of um, like what seems to be a heart and a brain and other things. Uh, they seem warped and, and malshapen. They're, they're in a, a chamber all their own. You get the sense that the lungs are really what's powering everything, but these parts are just needed to, to kind of like the... Lungs are almost the power source, or at least what's processing the power. The heart and brain seem to just be what's needed to keep the engine running at this point. Um, but when you go to the chamber that you saw him initially send his his pulse to, um, you actually find uh, alarmingly um, like a massive chamber um, filled with um, pods. And the pods seem to be um, a small, green, glowing pair of lungs... Um, a heart, a brain, and kind of encased in um, the same materials the bone spurs themselves. Uh, and I think with kind of a quick look around, they're all hanging from the ceiling, powered by these sort of green veins. Um, you basically realize he was creating essentially seed bombs, um, that these could be dropped places to create new bone spurs. Yeah. That said... There are a fuck ton of these things, and none of them seem to be to have ever been removed. So you're wondering if perhaps with the destruction of the Necrotis, uh, the guy who was supposed to show up to pick them up never arrived. But they're still here. They sure are. So we essentially are. found a Necrotis armory of like incredibly deadly bioweapons. You, you basically found a guy, yeah, whose, whose job was like, build me a bunch of A-bombs underground. And he did, but no one ever came to collect them, so he's just kept building them um but uh yeah that's uh that's kind of what you can ascertain so 
Princess, we've discovered a room full of necrotist bioweapons that we need to destroy. I don't think there's a whole lot of argument on whether or not these should live. Oh, I agree completely. And then there is the question of this necrotist, unholy, hope-fueled mountain weapon itself. Peachtree will have summoned the gnomes, the forces of the Necrotis and the Orc, was it third? The Orc third clan. The third block, yep. The third block will theoretically still be fighting, only maybe their dead won't rise without active participation. What do we do? Dum Dums and Dice would like to invite you to check out their flagship podcast, Dum Dums and Dragons. It's a show where improvisers who've never roleplayed before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. It features Laura Elizabeth as the Wizard Allen, Tyler Hewitt as the Thief Quinny, and Ryan LaPlante as a cleric named Butthole. Through their first season, these heroes experience the minds of Fandelva, but starting in season two, they step into a world of fully original adventures from the mind of DM Tom McGee. Follow them from the beginning of their quest through Five more seasons and beyond! Check it out now! Dom Doms and Dragons! Well. I mean, they died. And were being. A version of them, which wasn't them, is being brought back. That is what appears, though I don't know how much of their original spirit is infused in these bodies or how much. The best, the best way to think of it, um, which is, this is a bit of narrative metagaming, but I think you would probably have, between Maka and, and what you saw, Ryan, I think you'd be able to, to ascertain this. Um, the essence of all of these people is trapped on the island. So it's a combination of necromantic magic and illusionary magic. So basically what he was doing is um, in whatever forms their brains are left in, those are all in the, the skeletons themselves. The skeletons are rigged up to the island um, using a combination of necromancy and illusionary powers. He has all of them fully believing that they're alive and capable. It's part of the reason why Maka's healing magic worked because they fully believe they exist. So if he heal, does some healing shit to them, they're like, I've been healed. Um, from the piles of armor and clothing you've seen, you can tell that anytime one of these things dies, what he can't replicate is their the stuff. Uh, yeah, oh. he can't replicate the like all of the all the people wandering around um, that you've met that are that you've identified as kind of hollow are incredibly powerful. Like basically a cross between a ghost and an illusion. It's forcing the soul through the prism of the brain into a living form that wanders around, but. If one of them dies, or in the, in the case of Captain Rios, um, by telling the truth, his brain broke. So the brain fizzled out here, which meant he couldn't be resummoned, he couldn't be drawn. Uh, so he served no purpose to the conductor anymore, so he ate him, because tasty, tasty brains. Um, so all their souls are still trapped on this island. Um, they, the, the people that are up there are, are connected to the essence of those people who are trapped in these skeletons. So basically your options are... Uh, kill the island, disconnect all of them, set them free, or leave, destroy the bioweapons, leave the island, let them continue to exist in this form. So we'll assume we talked our way around to that understanding. Yes. Mm -hmm. Duncan, what's your argument for letting 
keeping them alive in this form. I'm already leaning one way. I would argue logically towards a form of keeping them alive. I think the necrotist forces above need to be wiped out. That is an army that would only use anything they can for evil. And if we can strike them down, they will not rise again if we shatter their brains. But the forces of the Orc Third Block and the families of the gnomes are not people who were a part of this conflict. They are essentially victims to an ongoing war, specifically the gnomes. They are people who are trapped here. Maybe they could create the bone spurs as a form of textile sales. Perhaps they could use the military forces present to be able to establish the bone spurs, such a key economic and political force in the world, as a place that could be crossed and could be taxed and could be a way to allow the forces for good and the forces for light to pass through and to provide a barrier against the forces of darkness and ultimately to use these undying souls as a way to protect both themselves and the world from another evil force taking control of the bone spurs. I don't like killing children. That's the core of the argument. I don't like children living eternally as children, but I really don't like killing them. Marco? Should the people of this island not know of their origins? Hmm? Should they not know where they come from? Why they are the way they are? Hmm? Walking above on the surface. Should they not come down and see where they come from? Hmm? Well, I assume they'll just all die like Rios did. Mm, then maybe they were not meant to live like this. Mm. They are all already dead. All right. So how... I'm just thinking, if we were to let them live this strange life, how do we prevent a new necrotist from coming here and taking control of this apparatus. Um, one thing I should point out is the brain of the bone spurs itself, like the weird brain sack, mm -hmm. seems to be maintaining whatever illusions <laughs> the um, conductor created. The conductor ah. was controlling those illusions. Uh, now he is not, obviously, because he's dead. So theoretically, you could just leave the island to run. Um, yeah. But it w they won't be trapped in the same cycles they were because they no longer have someone conducting them into mm. hopeless situations that seem hopeful. The only way we could with what we have here, Highness, would be to leave Shadlock, who I could swear is a full dawnbreaker and a protector for eternity, along with the third block and the gnomes. And they could fortify the cliff face in this valley so that they could protect this entrance and live their eternal lives here. But we would be leaving an honor guard that cannot leave the island to protect the island forever. And if some force could overwhelm them and figure out how to use this bone spur to recreate others, 
We would have to trust in Shadlock and the Orcs of the Third Block to not allow that to happen. So then perhaps we should give them the option then of would they rather rest in peace or stay here for eternity? That would appear to be an offer that could be made, yes. What are your thoughts, Duncan? I got to be clear here, Highness. Are you asking me to speak as me or are you asking me to speak as the defender? I'm asking you to speak as yourself. This is a challenge of morality and ethics. This island is a weapon and we can destroy this backlog, but we know that our foes can live longer than us and that the battles can continue forever and we leave this as a blueprint of a weapon to come. The orcs are part of a war that they signed up for and this is the fate that has come from that. But the gnomes are no, their children are no, and their families are no. I can't in all good conscience allow us to destroy them no matter the threat of the weapon that is present unless they wish to be freed from an eternal torment, which I'm acknowledging is shite. For me, it comes down to the gnomes. And if we do destroy this island to prevent a weapon falling into our enemy's hands, we are killing innocents if that is how they see this. My vote would be we destroy these weapons And if they want freedom, the gnomes destroy these lungs. That seems fair and just. Thank you, Duncan. Um, Then shall we destroy these uh, creations? Tom, the seeds, are, they, are there few enough seeds. of them that we can just walk around stabbing shit, or do we need to blow this chamber up with the powder that's left down at Gnome Camp? Uh, the powder's probably the easiest option. There, it, it's, it's pretty... He's been at this for a thousand years, so there's a lot. Um, okay. Yeah. Great. Then we'll probably go get Gnome Powder. Well, I mean, Peachtree was bringing him, so I'm imagining it might be yeah. brought here. Having sort of determined what you want to do and the, the option you want to give, uh, you make your way back up... Um, to kind of greet uh, the gnomes as they come, uh, to hear the continued sounds of, of battle um, from the, the valley. Um, finally, you hear uh, the double blast of the Necrotus horn uh, that signals retreat, uh, and you can see Necrotus forces kind of falling back uh, as the uh, orc third block cheers. Um, you get the sense from, the di- from distance that this battle, like the previous battles, is uh, there's a winner and a loser, but it doesn't change like the ground doesn't change it's almost more like um ancient greek combat where the two armies would just fight until one of them got tired and ran away and then they're like we won let's go home um so the the kind of uncontested center or the highly contested center ground remains um so the uh, the gnomes arrive and um kind of uh hesitantly led by Peachtree, uh, you are unsurprised to see Vivaldi is with them, uh, though now he's wearing uh, different gear um, than he, he had before. You see he's kind of in a, a weird mis- mismatch uh, mismatched stuff. Um, and he's tied his beard back around his, his ears again, but it's, it's in a slightly different way. Um, and Peachtree walks up and she's just like, ah, oh, 
he was fine. <laughs> um, and uh, Vivaldi uh, says, uh, this was a misunderstanding, yes? Yes, I am fine. Um, and uh, they all kind of gather um, here. Oh, again, you're a ways away from the battlefield. The battlefield is, is visible at distance, but it's kind of a small clearing where you can you can have this this conversation. Um, so Creed comes out and says, okay, well, uh, clearly you dealt with the Yeti threat, so bravo, excellent, that's great news. But um, Peace Tree said you might need some assistance from uh, hearty, uh, hearty gnome folk in solving a problem. So we are here to solve that problem. Isn't that right, Cousin Gregor? And Gregor, like, holds up his clipboard. Um, and he's like, so we are at your service. Do you need more history advice from Damon? What can we do? Uh, um, actually, um, so we, good news, we defeated, um, what, Dun I, Duncan? It's... I don't think this story adds up to good news, and I don't think good news, bad news is necessarily the way to break this. Oh, all right, you you want to take a shot? Marker, you are the one most in tune with life and death, and honestly, I think you have the best bedside manner of any of us. Could you explain what has occurred to these gnomes? Mm -hmm. Yes. Gnomes. You have been here for longer than you think. Mm. It feels long, yes, yes. That is because you are living false lives. You are living in a cycle, separate from the great cycle of life and death. You are on an island, both physically and metaphysically. And we come to you asking if you wish to live out the same life forever on this island, or if you wish to be reintroduced to the greater cycle of death and life in new forms with new consciousness. Hmm. Tyler, yes. can you roll me a nature check, please? Uh, normally this would be a religion check, but I feel like for you, the this is the explanation of, of nature kind of falls under, under this. Let me bring up that nature modifier. Mm -hmm. do, 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 plus three, so that is 11. 11? Um, so there's, there's some confusion and, and some kind of panic, particularly amongst, um, the, uh, the families. So, uh, the men and women who are partners and weren't really, were along for the ride on the expedition, weren't right themselves. And of course, concerned for their, their children. Um, but, uh, generally speaking, after some, some kind of debate and explanation and clarification, they, they kind of understand what you're, what you're saying. And, um, because you framed it in this way rather than kind of more bluntly and because there isn't a conductor fighting them while they reach, while they understand this news, uh, no one's brains explode. Uh, you get the sense oh. that that was likely um, the conductor, conductor's influence kind of shielding anyone from understanding what was happening. Um, so now that that force is gone, 
uh, if we're using matrix terms, you can understand the matrix now you couldn't before. So before your brain just would not accept it. Now there's no one actively yeah. forcing forcing that that blocker. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna say based on that role, um, there is kind of a, it's a 50-50 split. So half of them would rather um, sort of pass on into back into the cycle. Um, but some of them, like Turfel and um, certainly um, the Danver, uh, like Gregor and Damon, are 100% in on, on the idea of this. Um, Peachtree and Vivaldi kind of have a little tete-a-tete and um, kind of uh, both nod to each other as though they've, they've made a decision, and they both just kind of give you like a small thumbs up. Um, but Creed is incensed. He is furious and he's just stomping around. Uh, and he's like, how dare you? How dare you spread these ungodly lies about the situation here? We are, look how far we've made it, friends. We just need to get across the rest of the mountains and then we'll be able to open our new business on the other side. We have our first new customer right here with this turtle man. We are almost there and there's no reason for us to believe this bullshit. Come on, my friends, let us just carry on through and become gnomes of business on the wooden coast. I have no money. Okay, we don't have a first customer, but we'll find some amongst the root folk, because I gotta tell you, I bet they're suckers just like this turtle. And then he, like, looks shocked that he he said that. What is the purpose of accumulating your wealth? Hmm. To live a finer life, to have the finer things, to never have to worry about anything again. And Not food, will... nor shelter, entertainments and joy for all. What will you do with those fine things when you die? What happens then? Well, presumably I'll will them to my heir if I ever settle down and produce one. And you immediately see Gregor and Damon just kind of like rolling their eyes because they know this mm. is not going to happen for this gentleman. <clears throat> I follow a similar philosophy, Creed. When we die the richness of our life force, the wealth we have amassed of nutrients. We give it freely to those that need it, to those that will grow and benefit from it. Think now, if you choose to stay removed from the cycle, you are denying the earth and the trees and the oceans your life force. You will, you have taken but you will never be able to give again, Creed. He just smiles at you um, in a very condescending way. Just says, it's called capitalism, baby. It's what I'm all about. And if you lot don't want to come with me, you can all go fuck yourselves. And then he, he strides off into the woods. Mm. Capitalism. I... Don't think I like capitalism. Um, so with that, uh, the gnomes who've decided they'd like to to pass on, um, basically, I'm going to leave it up to... Maka, this is kind of your jam, even though this isn't really... It's different than, than how it would normally be done. Um, what what form do you think this ritual should take? Do you want to take them to see their, their skeletons? Do you want to just... You realize, like, similar to what you saw with Rios, if you uh, unhook the skeletons, um, 
and uh, basically if you just unhook the skeletons, they'll drop out of the thing. The brains at this point are are really just kind of like withered. They're basically almost like a focus for what these people were. It's not like there's a squishy, mm-hmm. squishy, tasty brain, which mm-hmm. is why the conductor wasn't too thrilled with the taste. Um, so if you unhook them, they'll just gradually fade out. Um, um, how would you go about this? It's a little complicated, but it's probably the most humane way to do this. Uh, Maka would, I think with consensus from Gwendolyn and, and Duncan on this, um, uh, ask that everyone who would like to pass on and re-enter the cycle of mm. life and death um, spend their last day doing their favorite activity mm. all day, their favorite activity. And to basically make a list of what that is. And for us to basically take that list down into the cavern and match it to skeletons that are carrying out those same activities Mm -hmm. and disconnecting those skeletons so that they get to go out on a high note um, and they don't also have to confront their uh, ghoulish reality underground. Yeah, they can say, I think Duncan would agree, they get to say their goodbyes, we'll do it at the end of the day, so we'll mark Mm -hmm. them by the day, and at midnight, that's when we can kind of unplug everybody, so they've got an easy, fair system, they don't need to see it. Uh, Duncan would push, probably, I guess that's its own conversation. Um, Duncan would want to go speak with Vivaldi and Peachtree, uh, specifically. So, Um, you you peel off to have a conversation with them, and... uh, they they're like um uh the Vivaldi say Duncan I'm I'm glad you you came to speak also uh, you can speak freely she she speaks dwarven as well she's like oh hi I do um, <laughs> and he's he's like so we've we've decided that um a this is this is a bit of a kick in the dick so we acknowledge that uh, but we appreciate the way that you you've brought it to us. Um, but honestly, we both came here because we, we wanted to conquer these mountains and uh, make them safer for people to travel through. She wanted to chart every last corner of them. Me, I wanted to blast a hole straight through the fuckers. And uh, so we may, be, we may be dead, and that's not great, but um, I don't see any reason why, why we can't continue that, that purpose. And honestly, there's more than enough mountain to keep us, uh, keep us busy for some time. So if you, need, uh, if you need some people on the ground to make sure people can get through okay, we'll... Uh, I guess we'll we'll kind of become the 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 master blasters and uh, trackers of the mountains, and uh, we'll we'll help folks get to wherever they need to go. Master blaster, master tracker. It'll be good for the world to know that there are eternal friends awaiting upon the bone spurs. If I can make a request, though, yeah, uh, if you could use your explosives to wipe out the other seed pods. To create more bone spurs to guarantee the weapons won't move forwards. And this is a dark truth, but one that I feel the two of you can handle. If you can place a failsafe upon the lungs of this bone spur so that should the forces of the Necrotis or Darkness come here to claim this weapon or copy it, that you can keep yourself and the world safe. Can you do this? Um... They look at each other, and uh, he looks back at you, and he's like, Tell you the truth, mate. Always expected I'd get blown up by one of my own bombs. Might as well make sure that's a guarantee. I really like you. (laughs) 
Um, so they uh, they set about uh, rigging that up, um, and he's able to basically like close off the the weapons chamber and then detonate it separately. Great. Um, um, I guess the other thing that I would talk with Gwendolyn about, and we can kind of bookend this if you want, but I think we would probably collectively give the same spiel to Shadlock first and then the orcs. We'll, we'll, we'll start yeah. that in a sec. Okay, great. Um, so the day comes, because uh, I think, like honestly, you're not working on a timeline anymore, really, so I think you, you take <laughs> the appropriate amount of time to deal with the one group before you deal with the next group, because it's a very different conversation with the orcs than it is with... Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, with, I didn't know with, if we were dealing with, like, there's another Necrotus attack, we're losing defenders, there's a uh, timeline that is on that. still occurring. Um... There isn't an attack presently, but also I think like there are just three of you and you don't really hold any position of command with either group. So it's very much a let's make sure we do this right. And probably okay. while, the, while the gnomes are doing their like happy day ritual that um, Mac is overseeing, you and Gwendolyn can go handle, cool. handle the orcs. So we'll deal with that in a sec. Um, Maka, uh, for someone who lives a very solitary life and for someone who has dealt very specifically with the rights of life and death for some time. Uh, what will come to be known as the Day of Joys and Farewells is a unique experience for you. Because though you have normally felt great communion and joy and acceptance and completion um, helping bodies return to the cycle, um, you've never experienced it as life before. Um, you've always experienced it as death and decay. Uh, not that you have negative connotations for those, but it's a different vibe than uh, what this day is. And so down at the um, at the base camp, you witness a tremendous displays of, of joy and happiness and sorrow and friendship and love and loss as the gnomes collectively decide to just have the best day. And they do. They There are games played... Jokes are told, stories are told, songs are sung. Um, the at one point, a bunch of the kids go like sledding down the uh, the slope. Now that the you've kind of cleared out, cleared the way up to the cliff, um, and it's it's a day of, of um, there's a melancholy tone to it, but generally speaking, it is it is a uh, a lovely day, all in all. And um, as the uh, the Sun begins to set, um, and uh, everyone kind of gathers around a massive bonfire. Um, you see people kind of um, say their farewells to, to those who are leaving. A lot of people are just kind of like saying, like, see you in the morning. Uh, and then gradually, everyone kind of collectively, almost as though it was a spoken agreement, um, decides to just bid each other good night, as they would on any other night. And those that have chosen to move on take to their bunks, just as those who have decided to cross the mountains and begin anew on the other side take to theirs. And you watch as the, the dying rays of the sun cast one last kind of golden glow on the day of joys and farewells. And then, much like the rest of the gnomes, you close your eyes and fall asleep. Meanwhile, uh, prior to this, Duncan and Gwendolyn, you arrive at the camp to find uh, a small celebration going on as well, uh, if a somewhat less uh, lively one. Um, the uh, the troops are celebrating a minor victory, um, forcing the Necrotus forces away. Um, and uh, as soon as you arrive, Shadlock gives you like a, 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 a like a strange look, and he sort of storms up to you, and he's like, "What did you do with the commander?"
This episode of Curse Code and Crowd Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc. Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGee TD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse Code and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lorda Bradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.